Hi, dear listener. Zach here. I'm proud of the work we did on Call of Discovery and Keyforge Public Radio, and last year I took my love of podcasts full-time with my company, Rooster High Productions. If you know someone with a business who wants to broadcast their expertise through podcasts and derived social media marketing, send them my way to Zach at RoosterHigh.com. Thank you so much. Welcome to Call of Discovery, the podcast where we invite you on a journey into the Crucible for a fortnightly celebration of all things Keyforge, its community, and the excitement of Discovery. I'm your host, Zach Armstrong. Ed is not with us today. He is actually on a journey with the Wild Wormhole this time. They made up. They are going on adventures together, and they are looking for the mythical Amber Pendant uh, to get Ed more magic powers. Yes, he's already got a few. He's already got a few. Can't go through what those are right now because we have a guest. So today we are joined by Lyle from the board game stream team, Crint Camp, who's here to talk about the SAS climb, which we're going to get into what that is uh, a little bit later. But first, Lyle, uh, thank you so much for calling on, coming on to Call of Discovery. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. Um, I, you know, like I was telling you uh, before, I'm just I'm just honored to have been asked <laughs> <laughs> at all <laughs> well that's that's uh that's awfully that's awfully flattering as uh i i was doing a little bit of research before this and uh listener if you don't know uh, crick camp is uh multiplicatively older than uh than call of discovery so <laughs> <laughs> just 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 a tad, just a tad. <laughs> i'm flattered that you're flattered um so before before we dive into what a sas climb is which oh, if you don't know what it is oh how intriguing a sas climb oh, uh, we're yeah. gonna we're gonna get to know lyle a little bit better so lyle oh, we've mentioned crit camp so tell tell us about the best camp on twitch what's it all about all right. So the best camp on Twitch started in 2014, uh, and it, it in the and it's me and my best friend Chris, who is also my my co-host, and it sort of came around. Um, and I know 2014 is is geez, that's like almost eight years now that we've been streaming, which seems crazy to me. But it came out of a sort of um, thing where Chris and I were we used to live in the same neighborhood in New York City. And we used to be able to have happy hours together and play games on a Tuesday night. Uh, that was what it was back then. And then we sort of moved to different neighborhoods and we sort of missed this, you know, weekly hang that we used to have. And um, Chris was always trying to get me to play board games with him and stuff like that. And he was like, hey, let's play board games together on Skype. And I was like, this seems weird, but okay, let's do this uh, because I miss you and let's hang out. Um, and then so we started playing, you know, board games on Skype and he was like, you know what, we should, we should stream this. And at that time I was like, what, what do you even mean we should stream this? What does that even mean? He's like, dude, we could do this, man. We could, we can set up some cameras and then we could sort of stream it to the internet, man. And, and people would watch it. I'm like, who's going to watch a couple dudes hang out and play tabletop games. I was like, you know, set it up. Let's do it. 
and we'll just sort of hang out with each other. And if anybody wants to hang out with us, that's, that's cool with us. And we, so we started playing some tabletop miniature games, particularly Zombicide was what we started with. And then we've sort of increased the catalog from there. But um, that was the game that really started it off for us. And we slowly started to get a community going. And basically Crit Camp was born after that. And we've been streaming sort of regularly since since uh, September of 2014. So um, yeah, and our, and our whole thing about Crit Camp is we wanted to be as real as possible and positive. And, you know, the whole interaction that we have is you can come, it's almost like you are invited to play games with us if we were doing like a game night. Um, and that's sort of like how casual um, it is. So yeah. we just do playthroughs and we don't really do the, you know, uh, you know, watch it played or how to play games. It's sort of just like, this is the game we're playing. We'll explain some of the rules, but you're just kind of invited to hang out with us as we play. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Um, and yeah, there's uh, if you like Zombicide and you haven't watched Crit Camp, I'm well, one, I'm shocked you exist. Two, uh, there, there is so much Zombicide content. If you go over to the Crit Camp channel, um, it is it is impressive. Uh, yeah, and that is that is such a great uh, such a great approach. And I think it really it really comes across when uh, you're watching the stream because you guys have been doing it for so long. But it's still just that. Uh, I think the phrase I used when we were uh, chatting before we we hit record was uh, the right amount of casual right like it feels like friends hanging out and it feels it feels warm and inviting um i know i very much enjoy during a work day to take a quick break and uh you know um either just say hello or give you guys some kind of grief in twitch chat (laughs) (laughs) as you're playing which you all always just take and run with as fast as possible (laughs) right right no i do i do appreciate that because you know it, it is meant to to feel that way and so if you are feeling that way, then then we've we've done our job, um, and we we get very excited when you pop into chat. I, I must say, um, again, <laughs> this is part of me sort of being honored to be invited on your podcast. I think your your podcast is beloved, um, and I I don't want to mess it up uh, by by having you know me a keyforge pleb is what I still consider myself um, on on your podcast. <laughs> Oh, 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 please. Oh, please. We we enjoy the, the call of discovery here. Uh, plenty of other podcasts can deal with the competitive end as much as I, you know, any keen ear listener will know. I do actually love being competitive, uh, but but uh, no, it's it's tough yeah, to tough something, to mess it up here on call of discovery. About, uh, uh, um, something about you, you sweating during competitive. Is that is that is that a thing? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Hold on. Wait, there's somebody at the door. Oh, I'm being overpowered. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sweaty Zach. <laughs> Sweaty Zach is like Steve Holt from Arrested Development. He just walks around going, Sweaty Zach. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> now, Sweaty Zach is aggressive. Sweaty Zach is competitive. But Sweaty Zach uh, is sports person like. Sweaty Zach plays fair, but plays hard. Yes. You know, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> plays as hard as you can. <laughs> Oh, um, it's true. It's true. Maybe there's a side series in the future of Sweaty Zach. <laughs> Sweaty Zach's workouts. <laughs> listen, listen, guys, if you want to if you want to um, support this podcast and get on the Patreon, um, I'm sure Sweaty Zach can can spin up something for you uh, for you patrons. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, yeah, I guess uh, I, I probably dive a little bit more into Sweaty Zach, and uh, we, we do Beyond Discovery, our little behind-the-scenes podcast for Patreons. Um, and recently, uh, I actually did a test run uh, just for, for Patreon subscribers. I did a test run of a video mailbag episode where I sat in a chair and had a cute little like scene like bookshelf next to me and like went through questions submitted by Patreon members. So maybe I could make that nice and sweaty. Yeah, I believe you can make that nice and sweaty, and I think a lot of people would enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, maybe you can submit questions to like regular Zach, or you could submit questions to Sweaty Zach. That's a great idea. Yeah. (laughs) Brilliant. Um, But uh, so speaking of so KeyForge and Crit Camp, you all you all were on the KeyForge train since uh, the beginning because yeah, you had a how to play stream on Tabletop Simulator. As soon as the mod was out, like in August of, of 2018. Yes, right? that's correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, and now I've, I, I heard this piece of wisdom from uh, Blake over on Hell from Future Self a while back. And he said it's easier to get board gamers into Keyforge than it is to get car gamers into Keyforge. Um, and as one of the board gamiest people on Twitch, like what were your first impressions of Keyforge coming from Zombicide and Ascension and all of these other uh, just fun, fun board games. What were your first impressions as you dove in? Wow. Um, so it was one of those things where um, we got told about Keyforge, yeah, in the summer of 2018, uh, pre-release. And we got hyped immediately. Um, I do want to preface that, like, we are mainly a tabletop board game stream, but we have had, Chris and I have both had experience playing card games um in the past Uh, i'm not going to go too much into it but you know 95 to 96 i think we both played magic Mm -hmm. until we we realized that it was like a money pit and we could no longer (laughs) play magic um and then we hit we both hit hearthstone so hard Mm. in the beta and then i think from like 2014 to 2016 is like when i was really playing like a lot of uh hearthstone sure Um, and then it was one of those things where I think I got sick of buying expansions or I got very salty about the latter, um, something like that, <laughs> and just stopped playing Hearthstone. So when Keyforge came around, there has been, it sort of, I knew it was going to scratch that particular itch for me. Um, and I think the the thing that really got to me and Chris, because while when we play we can be competitive with each other and we like playing competitively i think we value the fun that you can have out of the game more than the competitive aspects of it um and so if i have if i'm having a good experience with a game i will likely like that game better um than just being like you know i'm gonna win 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 right so so maybe i i I fall in in sort of if you if you have a a balance of scales and zach is on one side and sweaty zach's on the other side sure (laughs) um, i'm probably on the zach side yeah um, of of these sorts of things and so when we when we we heard about keyforge and we heard oh my god a game that's coming out that is you know magic like hearthstone like but I don't have to buy a collection and try to formulate a deck, which is going to inevitably go against people that are net decking mm-hmm. and paying to play and all this other stuff that I really did not like about magic and sort of Hearthstone and things like that. Um, 
like what you get is what you get and you just have to make the best of it. Um, I was sort of like very intrigued by that. And so when we heard about that and we heard that there was a tabletop um, simulator mod for it, we were like, we got to dive in and just check it out. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we, we found out from a friend, uh, Matt, who I actually play Arkham Horror LCG uh, with on stream. Um, he is a guy that tends to introduce us to new games. Um, and yeah, he taught us how to use uh, that mod and we played a few games. We got hooked and we knew that this was going to be a game that we were going to get really into probably very, very fast. So the lead up to release, and I believe it released like November of 2019, um, we were able to play more stuff on Tabletop Sim, put up that video about how to play it. Um, and then at TwitchCon that year, we were able to get pre-release decks and play in a tournament. Ooh, um, yeah. yeah, and that was really, really awesome. So we were each able to get uh, two decks each. So if you played, you had to sign up on a tournament um, for each day, so yeah. a Saturday and a Sunday. And we were able to grab a couple of decks. And the second deck that I got was a horseman deck, not knowing what the heck that was. <laughs> at the time yeah only that it were like was amazing <laughs> right and yeah we, we played in that sort of uh, a couple tournaments at twitchcon and that's when we were like this game is amazing oh that's awesome because to play in person is is such a better experience than playing you know even on tabletop sim even though that's a sort of to me the closest way to do it virtually yeah um, sure uh, but to play it in person for the first time was was phenomenal. And then that's when Chris and I were like, how do we get decks? We got to get decks. Right. Like, and it became this thing where we were looking for all the events possible. Um, we were also traveling at the time a lot for work. Um, I had I was already living in Nashville, but I had a I had a job up in New York City that I was traveling to for one week every month. And I was just trying to find um, I was trying to find tournaments up there and there were tournaments right. in Brooklyn and up in by Columbia university. And I was just like hopping into those while I was in my work trip <laughs> to get more decks. Um, wow. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, I, um, I think it's one of those things where we kind of had an idea that we were going to love this right away. And then as soon as we played it, we were like, this is the game for us. Yeah. And, uh, I love that the, the, the horsemen were specifically a part of one of your early decks because if you, the, the way we think about the horseman now, as far as like, you know, level of just how powerful and useful a card is to like advance a victory condition, the horsemen, like they're fine, but they're nothing special in that way. And right. if you think about it, if you, if Keyforge was released as a constructed game, I mean, one, it'd be dismissed because you can just build a broken deck. And two, the horseman wouldn't have been special because it's like, oh, okay, like you can include these four, you know, horseman traded cards, but like, that's only so powerful. But the yeah. fact that it was algorithmically generated decks and there were four four creatures that came together that were these like biblical apocalyptic legends like built around the mechanics and like um, reimagined in their art, right? Mm -hmm. Like was just so exciting to see what the, the, it's just the first touch of like what you can do with an algorithmically generated deck and the kinds of things you can put into a deck list. So that's, I love that the horseman showed up for you in your, one of your uh, early in-person decks there. 
Yeah, no, it, it was really great. I, I think you're right. It was one of those things where to get the horseman then, not really understand what I had, and then like a month later or a couple months later, be like, oh my, oh my goodness. Like mm-hmm. I just hit the jackpot and I didn't even know. Right. <laughs> um, and, and um, you know, it, it, it sort of revitalized it for me because at that point I had already started to build up a, a small collection and, and I was like, no, but this deck this is like, this is one of the first decks that I got, you know, and then became even more special um, um, to me. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I remember, uh, and I'll, I'll keep retelling this legend until somebody finds the person who did it for me. The horseman came out and somebody recognized that they were, you know, very cool, but not as powerful as people were just assuming based on the hype. And so somebody brought the horseman deck to a, a reversal event. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to just to prove a point, and the store just made it out across the early KeyForge internet, and I'm like, okay, that's that's impressive, that's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> I oh. think the the thing that um, I haven't played that deck in a very long time, but I still have it, um, the my Horseman deck. I, I remember thinking that the most, in, like one of the interesting things when I first played with it was, it also had Dis in it, and it had an Arise in it. And, Ooh, um, mm-hmm. and I remember thinking like, oh, I could play all my horsemen, they die. And then I can just bring them all back, even though I have a horseman that also brings them back. Right. And I was like, <laughs> and so I was like, yeah. oh, there's like, this is the thing with this deck. Like they just never die. Like they can just keep coming back. Um, and I thought that was amazing. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, no, of course. And that, that's one of those things that you're, you're playing the deck and you realize, wait, I can do this. Or if I play the deck in this particular way. I can achieve this really powerful game state, but only if I'm trying to get there intentionally, you know, mm-hmm. um, which that's, you know, now looking back on call of the Arkans, we're like, okay, a rise and horseman, like sure, whatever. But in that moment, that moment of drum roll, please discovery. Oh. Uh, that's the moments of discovery that so many people, you know, had with uh, call of the Archons and the horsemen. And then as the game has evolved, um, uh, I think I've said multiple other times, I think the game was really hit its maturity with Worlds Collide releasing, and that's where you truly started to get the rock, paper, scissors between archetypes and and sets. And now those moments of discovery, um, there's so many more to have, even in my old Call of the Archons decks, just taking those to, you know, a friendly local, uh, friendly local night where there might be some other, uh, some other sets, you know, some other sets out there, you know, if I can uh, snack lifter, um, you know, a mass mutation, uh, a mass mutation artifact like oh man now this this is an impossible deck that i get to play for the rest of the match so um yeah yeah no absolutely i do love that as like you're right there there is always something to to discover about your decks um and and one of the things that i think is sort of thrilling is revisiting decks from older sets when new sets come out because things will completely change um, in those matchups, right? Um, and I just remember, um, you know, you, you picked out like sort of Snecklifter. The card that I always sort of think about is Desania, um, mm. where where it was like in the beginning, that card was like, are people really archiving a mm-hmm. lot? I'm like, no. Like, Nobody gave it a I'm second never getting, I'm never getting any value out of this thing. This is so stupid. And then later it getting like a power spike where I'm just like, Oh my God! Like I can just just I can destroy somebody right now. Um, like all all the best laid plans are now are now like you know smoldering fire. Um. Yep. 
Yep. Some some of the most powerful like Archon solo decks now have to look out for a Desanya. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's such a huge swing. Yeah. And that and that and that's and that's part of like, you know, it's it may not be discovery, it's it's sort of, you know, rediscovery. Um and, mm-hmm. and I think that's that's very, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so one last question, uh, not about the SAS client for you, for you, Lyle here, because you're you're in a unique spot to actually answer this particular question. Okay, which I didn't prep you for. Oh my <laughs> Call God, discovery should I, should I be scared about this. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, hopefully, uh, we're getting a solid official digital version of KeyForge from Stainless Games at some point in the next one to forty-five years. Yep, so yep, yep, yep. as a KeyForge streamer, what would be a feature? you're hoping for in an official digital version? Oh, gosh. A, um, a feature that I'm looking for. Um, it's funny because my my mind immediately goes to UI mm-hmm. and how easy things are to see for viewers. Yes. Yes. No, <laughs> My I mind think immediately yeah. goes to a production thing. No, and that's um, good. That's good. Um, and and so it, it's it's funny when you stream for a bunch of years and you start to find games that are your go-to games to stream. It's one of the considerations you now have for that game. Um, and um, I think that playing on the Crucible for so many years now um, and how that UI has sort of changed over time and that there's been a lot of quality of life sort of increases in that stuff. Um, I would just hope that whatever's released is um, everything that you need to view as a, as a viewer to understand the state of the game at any point in time mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Is, is able to be seen um, in, in, in like a very, very clear way. Um, and that there's a way for me to sort of enlarge cards and zoom into things, check out my discard, check out my archive, check out like all that kind of stuff needs to feel seamless and easy. Yeah. Um, and and to me, I think like a really clean and super, super uh, smooth UI would be what I'm looking for, um, which would be, yeah. I think that's yeah. that's that that would be the main thing, sort of like a, a quality of visual there. <laughs> that, that makes a lot of sense because I think uh, if there's a digital version one, people can just try KeyForge much more easily, and yeah. if it's at least stream friendly, then it's going to be so much easier to stream in a way that just looks really good, right? You see people mm-hmm. playing. I mean, Storybook Brawl isn't even like a AAA game, but you see people playing this game. And it just looks good to to watch, right? Yeah. Like it just looks good. It just looks good to watch. Um, yeah, so that would I'm just be a win win for for everyone to me. Um, you know, I think a bunch of us that are sort of still creating content for KeyForge, um, I, you know, the 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 easier it is for, to watch, or the more enjoyable it is to watch or listen to, um, you know, the content, the more people might listen to and watch the content, um, which, you know, will hopefully sort of grow the community and and things like that. So, you know, it's, it's selfishly, I want it to look great so that it looks great when I stream it and that people are enticed to play it. And then that the game grows, (laughs) right? Yep. you know, I, I think it's one of those things where, where, you know, 
it helps all of us um, if it if it's just you know done right. Um, mm-hmm. So, and I I do I melt with jealousy every time I'm watching you know an empty. MTG stream, a Magic the Gathering stream like Day 9 or somebody, and they have the overlay where I can just mouse over a card, right? Oh, and, yeah. And the card pops up, and I can look at the deck list just by mousing over another part. It's just, oh, the the production quality there is just so, it's so nice, because I can, even me, who like, I have played Magic a little bit, but I'm not, I'm by no means an expert. Like, and yeah. so it's very nice to be able to go, oh, like, I don't even know what this set is. And I can just mouse over cards and read them and say, oh, that's interesting. Like, while, you know, he's obviously focused on playing the game and, and other things. So, uh, anyways, I want that for Keyforge. Just yeah, I do, I do want that for Keyforge <laughs> as well. <laughs> that would be, be amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that would be great. That would be great. So, the SAS Climb. Uh, yes. Spe- yes. So, I'm excited to talk about this. Um, if you're listening, if you're listening uh, to Call of Discovery during a hiatus, I'm sure you know what SAS is, but it's the the synergy, anti-synergy, the score um, by decks of Keyforge put on decks uh, meant as a tool to help kind of sort uh, sort a collection uh, in just in just one way. Uh, and it's often a score that uh, can, can tend towards how powerful a deck is in Archon Solo. Uh, not always, but it can. So. The SAS Climb, what, Lyle, is is the SAS Climb? All right. So um, there was, uh, let's see. I started this SAS Climb in April of 2019. I got to look at my notes here really quick. Yeah, April of 2019 is when I started streaming what is now known as a SAS Climb. Mm. Um, and what I was looking for was there are moments where Chris and I, we usually stream as a duo playing tabletop games, but every now and then, you know, due to personal schedules and other things, we stream solo. And I was looking for a game that I could do um, for solo streams that I wanted to be sort of episodic in nature. Mm. Um, And I was like, I want to play Keyforge because at that time was like my favorite game and I just couldn't get enough of playing it. And my local spot, was only hosting, I think, one event every two weeks at that point, or maybe it was once a month. Um, it ended up getting down to weekly, which was amazing um, pre-pandemic. But yeah. Um, yeah, I really wasn't playing it enough, uh, and I just wanted to play more of the game. And I was starting to amass a collection, um, and I felt that I wasn't playing a lot of the decks in my collection. I was only playing what I considered what were like my favorite decks or my best decks, because of Chainbound Archon stuff, you know? And so so between me trying to trying to figure out a play a way to play solo on stream and also the desire to play the rest of my collection, um, you know, I, I was like, I need to figure out a way to to marry the two and 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 go for it. So the, what I came up with was this what I'm sort of entitling the SAS climb now, or what I used to call the SAS ladder climb. Mm. Um, and so what I did there was I took my Coda collection at the time, I sorted it on Dexa Keyforge by SAS number, um, highest to lowest, and then I would play the deck with the lowest SAS first uh, on quick join games on the Crucible. And then I would either play against random people or people in chat that sort of you know wanted to play um, similarly SAS uh, level decks. And then I would play that deck until I got two losses. Um, so if I kept winning, that was great. Um, and I would just play more and more games. 
Um, and then if I got two losses, then that deck was eliminated. And then I would go to the next higher level of SAS and then play that on the Crucible. And then this way, every time I soloed streamed, I could just pick up where I left off and just continue to play games and then also get an idea of all the decks I have in my collection. Um, you know, I was interested in this in, in a couple, you know, there's a few layers of why I was interested in doing it this way. And one was at the time SAS uh, and Dexter Keyforge was still fairly new because the game itself was fairly new. Um, and so the idea of somebody coming up with a metric to rate the decks was super interesting to me. Sure. Like, where are they getting this number? Uh, what does this really mean? Um, you know, how much of this number can I really trust? Um, or, you know, what is it really telling me? And are there places where this number goes wrong, right? Where, um, you know, do I only, if I only play my high SAS decks, am I missing a gem in, in lower SAS that I, I would never have played, you know? And so the idea being play through all of my decks, see how the SAS number really affects anything, um, but also just like, let me find gems in my collection that I may have overlooked because I wasn't giving it enough plays. Um, maybe there's a combo in there that doesn't really contribute to SAS number or the algorithm or whatever, but it just synergizes within itself so well. Um, and it just, you know, could, could do too well. So um, every expansion that's released, I have done this. So Encoda um, was my first one, obviously, to go through. And for the almost last three years now, whenever I've been solo streaming, I've been trying to push a little bit of the Skeetforge content out there. And so at this stage of the game, I've played through all of the decks that I owned. Um, so <laughs> if you want to go back through the the, the backlog on YouTube, uh, so youtube.com slash quickcamp, everybody. Um, you could you could watch every single one of these videos i think there are gosh of the almost 150 keyforge videos total that we've put out i think over 40 percent of them is me doing a sas climb wow um, so um <laughs> very nice yeah and and i average about three hours a stream so it ends up being a lot of hours and a lot of probably days worth of, of keyforge mm -hmm. content mm -hmm. out there in which i'm playing every deck that i own um and so, yeah, that's, um, that's pretty much it. And, but because it's not my, the main thing that we do on the channel, um, it is sort of like I infill this, um, you know, between, between things I'm, I'm usually a little bit late in my climb. So, um, you know, when I was playing AOA worlds collide was out, I believe when I was playing worlds collide, mass mutation was out. I'm always, I think one expansion behind sure sure <laughs> when i when i saw an expansion but it makes for interesting games because now you're playing against you know all the previous expansions plus the next one um so of course yeah i think uh that's pretty much the the summary of, of what that is yeah and what what i really like about the idea of the sas climb is it was uh developed as well, it, it gives kind of two benefits, one uh, kind of content creator benefit and then one Keyforge player benefit, right? Uh, when you thought it up, the content creator benefit in that you have an easy structure where you don't have to, you don't have to like plan or one of these words I hate, ideate, <laughs> oh, <laughs> right? right, right. You don't right, have to yeah. make up, okay, how am I going to play Keyforge now? It's like, oh no, I'll just do the SAS climb. 
And yes. that automatically mixes it up and gives you some interesting games because, and here's the part that, you know, benefits the, the Keyforge player of the SAS climb, is that one, you get to go through all your decks, which many, you know, many Keyforge players want to, and you're going to just have such interesting experiences, even if a deck goes, you know, to and out, you're going to have such interesting experiences playing through all the decks. You may have just glanced when you at, when you open them go, Oh, that's fine, I guess. And then, you know, tossed it, uh, tossed it in the drawer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, um, what I, I think, uh, half the reason I really wanted to talk about SAS climb was just for people to hear about it. Uh, well from, you know, from you as an idea of like how they might, tackle their collection if they're just looking for a way you know a structure for playing whether that's you know they can practice just one deck uh which is a you know a favorite thing of mine to just pick one deck and take notes and play that really well but if they just want to play through a collection and really kind of grind through uh grind through all of their kind of more normal range decks uh the sass climb is a great way to do that yeah, absolutely. I, I highly recommend it. It takes a lot of time, right? Especially, sure. well, it all depends on how, how big your collection is. It takes a lot of time, but I find it extremely rewarding. Um, one, because it's like you're getting value out of all the decks that you are that you own. You you get to play them. And funky things happen at Lower Sass. Yeah. Um, stuff. <laughs> you know, some, some, of, yeah. some of my more favorite games come out of that sort of underdog feeling um and 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 this sort of like i guess relates to my personality and crit camp in general um like chris and i again ne- don't ever think of ourselves as like elite players we just think of ourselves as casual keyforge players that are here for the fun mm. um you know we love sealed we love draft and like other games you know that's the those are the types of players we are um you know chris and i always usually talk about how when we did play magic and hearthstone the our favorite things to do were to make really janky decks and mm-hmm. try to make them work um you know when i was a magic player i re- i had a thrall deck in black and a, and a falcon deck in blue and and you know i kept trying to do these theme things that were not great but i always <laughs> had really fun times doing it yeah. Um, and same thing with Hearthstone. We would sort of make janky decks, put them on the ladder and, and try to confuse people that we were playing with and, <laughs> and just have fun. And, and that's the kind of feeling that you have with Keyforge in general. Sometimes you just get a deck and you just have to figure out how it works and do the best that you can with it. And really fun games happen when you play lower SAS decks, which don't seem to have as much synergy or maybe mm-hmm. one thing that you're trying to accomplish and sort of you can pat yourself on the back if you can get that one combo off. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, you know, it, it's it's one of those ways to sort of enjoy, you know, decks that you don't think are great or you think are only reversal worthy or, or something like that. And, um, you know, I am uh, a nerd at heart, so I've, I've kept it very extensive spreadsheet of my entire SAS climb um, where I've, you know, I have win rates and I have, you know, um, uh, you know, versus SAS and all this other stuff. And, and, you know, it is, it is fun to, for me to like sort of track that data and sort of see how well I do and be surprised at, you know, the fact that like I have a couple 59 SAS decks that, you know, went, 
you know, had like a 60% win rate or something like that. Um, (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, You know, there was a, there was a particular time when I was playing AOA, there are two decks that have that I completely, when I opened them, didn't think anything of them. And now they are two of my favorite decks that I own. Wow. And it's only because I've played them on the SAS climb. One is a 64 SAS. One is a 68 SAS, and they both play semi similarly. Um, the um, but yeah, one of these decks is called the Miss of New Stream Crossing, um, and it has basically like two free markets. No, one free markets and a and a um, and an Oath of Poverty, but it has like six artifacts in it Ooh. or something like that. Yeah, um, and it's one of those. It was the first deck that I've gotten that played this way where, oh, I don't care about board state or this like or like the state of my own board. I am just about amber gain and like just going as fast as humanly possible. Mm -hmm. Um, And at that time when I was playing this, it ended up going eight wins on my SAS climb, which is one of the highest that I've ever gotten uh, with any of my decks. Um, and I was just so surprised because I think at the time it was like a mid sixties SAS deck. Sure. Um, and I think it was just taking a lot of people by surprise by how fast it moved. Yeah. And so when people were stalling me out, I didn't even care because I could just gain even more Amber, um, kind of thing. Um, and so that ended up going in my quiver as one of my favorite decks, but I don't think I would have given it time of day. Um, because you know, when I looked at it, it has three bad pennies in it. You know, and <laughs> yeah, that, I, I will say that's usually enough to go. Eh, maybe I'll ban it. <laughs> yeah, no, three bad pennies, no seeker needle, no like you know no synergies. Yeah, yeah, no synergies, no uh, relentless whispers or anything like that. And so I'm just like, what am I going to do with this three bad penny deck? And it ended up being like really amazing. Um, and yeah, and it's still one of my favorite decks to play. So there, are, there are a few decks that I've sort of discovered in this way that are in like the low to upper 60s and sort of low 70s that are just like, these are actually really solid and I probably never would have played these as much as I did without knowing. So yeah, um, you know, it's interesting to see what's happening. Like my top 10 decks that I've played, you know, I have a nine win deck, an eight win deck, an eight win deck, all three are AOA. Wow which is like super, super like crazy to me. Um, <laughs> and then I have um, only one representative from Coda, three representatives from Worlds Collide, two from Dark Tidings and zero from Mass Mutation. But mm-hmm. Mass Mutation was also like, I think the beginning of the pandemic. And at that time I was getting most of my decks from sealed events. <laughs> oh, sure. And, and playing locally. Um, so, so I didn't really give that expansion too much of a, a chance there because it's the it's the expansion that have the least amount of decks for but yeah yeah it's interesting to see um you know how many wins you can sort of eke out with what kinds of decks and and stuff like that and right now if you were to tune in to my stream if i stream keyforge i'm playing these top 10 uh decks mm. i'm revisiting them i'm halfway through i've played my coda and my four aoa decks so i'm in the middle of worlds collide um and, you know, some of them are doing just as well. Um, and, but, and some of them are falling completely flat. <laughs> sure. And, it's, it's, it, and, and, and that in itself is really interesting to see as well. Yeah. It's like, oh, is that a moment in time 
or is this a solid deck? Um, so it's, it's, it's been very interesting and very rewarding. So I do want to uh, encourage people, if you're looking for a way to reinvigorate like your, your exploration um, mm. and your, your sort of sense of discovery um, in, your, in your collection and uh, to, to do it this way, um, it's, it's a very interesting way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely thinking about my collection now and, uh, thinking of, man, I, I have a, a collection of a few hundred, so I am sure there are some gems in there that I just have not identified that there are some decks that I might even slot into my triad lineup. And I will, uh, something uh, now on, on, uh, the crucible online, uh, if you're playing against randoms, has this normally been in the competitive queue or the casual queue? So here's the thing. I usually play in the casual queue, yeah. right? Until I get to a point where I am about, uh, when I, when I hit about like SAS, like 73, 74, oh, sure. Sure. Um, I have gotten a lot of, unfortunately, sort of toxic games where yeah. if I'm bringing those decks into casual, I'm immediately getting people yelling at me in chat, um, about uh, the the in-game chat about yep. why am I taking this deck here? Like I should be in competitive, whatever, blah, 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 which I have a lot of feelings about. And um, I don't know if we want to, <laughs> if, if right. this is the, the platform for airing of grievances, but it, to me, I'm there for fun. And I always put myself in the shoes of what if I was a newcomer um, and this was what I was met with. Um, I would, this would turn me off on the game completely. Um, and would you have done this if we were sitting at a table face to face? Um, you know, you probably wouldn't have, and we would have just played, Yeah. but, um, you know, it's a little, uh, but to, so to prevent that kind of stuff, I get to a point where SAS looks a little high. I will just automatically go into competitive because I tend to get (laughs) better games, uh, at those levels, uh, I guess. And, uh, or or more people with patience. Um, yeah, because I think yeah. I think the competitive queue uh, generally is a bit uh, gives you a, a more emotionally healthy opponent. Yes, um, because even if you're playing something lower SAS, uh, I've discovered that even playing it in competitive, I'm still going to get some good games, and the games will be better if my opponents are better. And I've seen other people do this. Well, I'll, or I'll be in com- the competitive queue with a very high end deck of my own and I'll be against an AOA deck that I'll just glance at and I'll be like, Oh, that seems, I mean, pretty normal. Um, but then, you know, they give me a big old run for my money. And, uh, when I did, when I did, um, uh, my CD ROM now, uh, the NARP method, um, of playing 150 games for a deck I opened randomly, which I would not recommend, uh, oh <laughs> unless you like pain. Um, I played 150 games with Keepers the Strong Chinned, which I think was a 67 SAS, and I played it in competitive every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, most of my games were, were adaptive games towards the end, which was a lot of fun. Um, but being in the competitive queue, uh, being in the competitive queue was a good pressure test, even outside of just, you know, the opponent's attitudes. It was a good pressure test of the deck, even if I was losing. I had to fight tooth and nail for any out I could find. And I guess this is, you know, if you want to be a bit sweatier about it, I even had a, a lovely game where a very polite opponent told me GG because they had looked at my deck list and I was like, yeah, there's no way he can, 
you know, come back from this. And I said, no, that's a bit too early because I had a remote access to use his golden spiral to uh-huh. then ready and use, you know, my wormhole technician. And I hit like the one in 12 card that I like needed to like get across the finish line. Um, and I remember that moment and it's only because I was, you know, throwing uh, keepers, the strong chin, a fairly normal deck uh, up against everything in the competitive queue. And that's where like I learned how to play to the outs as hard as possible with uh, with keepers. And I, I have yet to lose an adaptive match with keepers because uh, I think I've been ground under the tires of competitive decks with that deck so much that <laughs> I know exactly how to dismantle it. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah, exactly. It's like you, know? you you start to know you can you can pilot it in a way that um, nobody else can. Um, and I, I yeah. do enjoy that sort of that idea of of playing a deck a lot. And then becoming like almost like one with the deck, like you know, like mm-hmm. the deck is telling you things. <laughs> yes, and keepers, keepers, a hundred percent does. Most of my opponents in things like the Ancient Bear Republic League in adaptive matches end up wanting to talk afterwards. They're like, "So what was the secret?" And I was like, "Well, here's X Y Z things I learned from my experience of playing this deck so much and losing with it so much, um, but taking the losing seriously, right?" Um, no, yeah, that's the, I, that's I do like that side. attitude, the taking yeah. the losing seriously. I, I have, um, I do not concede matches yeah. in, in, in the crucible. Um, that's like sort of one of those things where even if I'm losing, um, sometimes I see that my opponent is doing something really cool with their deck and I just, and I kind of put myself in their position and be like, he like they're stomping me right now, but they're probably having a really great time stopping me. Right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and trying to like push right. it to the limit. And so, and and then sort of my mindset also changes where I'm like, just one key. Like like I will not let you win without me forging a key. Right. Right. Yeah. And and so like now that becomes my new goal. Or it's like it's like I have a binate ruptured interdimensional graph. I will get this off at least once mm-hmm. <laughs> in this, in this game, um, you know? And so, so my mindset sort of switches mid, mid game where it's just like, I'm not about, maybe I don't think I'm going to win this game, but I am going to keep playing because I can I have sub goals I can, I can do. And I also know how it feels when you're on the other side. And sometimes you just want to show off the power of a deck, or you're just so excited that you're doing so well that your deck, like maybe you get an amazing first hand, mm-hmm and and stuff like that and to sort of take away the enjoyment <laughs> of that from somebody else um i i usually feel bad about because i'm just like no you're 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 you know who knows your deck maybe you've never played this way before um sure. and, and you're just so excited to see it um and then you're you're being able to like figure out new things that are happening with that deck be like oh that's how that's supposed to work if i have all this stuff in place Mm-hmm. I've only never had this stuff in place before. Um, and so I like to just play games out through, um, yeah. you know, a lot of people think that's a waste of time, but to me, it's just, again, it's not about like, you know, making sure I win every game and sort of padding my numbers and all that kind of stuff. It's just the fact that I'm playing the game. Um, yeah, for me, exactly. Like owning, owning your play experience. Yeah. You, yeah. you know what you want from that. And I yeah, think exactly. I think there's room for right a a, a, a concession. Um, I know some people have mentioned if you you see a deck list and you're like, this is not a matchup I even want to do. You just have that expectation, you know, a polite concession there. But uh, I really appreciate 
the the attitude, especially in Keyforge, where uh, you know you're saying I'm not I'm not going to give up till the game is over. I know Tabletop Royale, you know, mutual friends of ours, as they're streaming their games, uh, they they don't scoop. You know, a, a final turn might come around. They say, okay, I've got nothing in my hand, like mathematically. You know, yep. I don't even have a Birkins. Like there's there's nothing. Um, but they they don't scoop just because. Uh, you want to fight it out and and see what happens. Now, sometimes it's inevitable. You say, "Oh, I'm going to lose," and then, yep, you do lose. Yep. Uh, but um, without romanticizing it too much, I do think there's a value uh, a value in in sticking it out for sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, but and it also, I mean, it's like again, it's like I always want to assume that the my opponent um, is a good person. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and that like i'm giving them a nice experience um sure. by, by doing so if if somebody is obviously toxic um and they're just you know bming you throughout and all this other stuff i mean i think that's okay if you want to leave but um <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's fine yeah yeah you yeah. can you can ditch a meanie you can ditch a meanie we're uh zach from call of discovery along with lyle we are giving you permission to ditch meanies <laughs> yeah ditch, ditch a meanie you know what i mean <laughs> This is your experience as well, right? You, yes. <laughs> you yes. want to you want to leave with a good experience as well. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, it's funny as you talked about the SAS climb as we uh, I, I uh, got in touch with you and we figured out a topic. Um, even just since then, thinking about the SAS climb, I'm now imagining a SAS climb like getting some of my um, you know personal friends together, group like uh, getting you know a, all our decks together on decks of Keyforge through the like the team thing. And then doing like a SAS climb among our whole collection, right? Where yeah. it's like we're all, we just get in the bottom four decks and then we all just start to play each other. And then you move up to the next available deck once a deck has taken two losses. Like how fun could that be to do a SAS climb as like a SAS climb pod, you know? That's That would be amazing, right? Yeah. You, could, you could do your own, and speaking of Tabletop Royale, I mean, you could do your own like tournament, tournament of champions. <laughs> Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, of, of that kind of stuff. Um, and I do really like that too. I mean, when I play on stream, there's a thing where, you know, I will have chat up and people will say, I'll, I'm, I'm putting a quarter on the table. Like they'll want next game. Um, mm. And they see the SAS rating of the deck that I'm playing and they will bring a similar SAS rating. Um, and I just love playing against people in the community because again, you, you're going to have a really positive experience and a really positive game and it makes it easier to lose because you know you're losing to a friend right right <laughs> um but i i think me playing on stream has sort of you know made some of people in the community look at their deck lists be like well what i what do i have around 62 that i could mm. possibly play and they see a deck list and they're like you know what i haven't played this deck like in a while like let me let me uh let me try to get it in uh on um uh, get a game and on stream or something like that um, and, and so it's almost similar to what you were saying where you're just like, okay, well, let's sort all of our decks together and play, yeah. And play a little pod down there at, at the, um, at any level. Um, so I, I do encourage all that stuff. It, it's, it's a way to, it's, yeah, it's a way to enjoy your collection. Excellent. Well, Lyle, uh, thank you so much for joining us today to talk about uh, the SAS climb. And we got to hear all about uh, Crit Camp. So, uh, Lyle, where can people find you and Chris as Crit Camp uh, all across the internet? Great. Uh, we stream three times a week, Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, right now on twitch.tv slash Crit Camp. 
all of our VODs go onto YouTube uh, at youtube.com slash critcamp. Um, and you could tweet at us at, at critcamp. You can tweet at me personally at Moscato underscore Lyle. And you can join our Discord at discord.gg slash critcamp. Awesome. Well, listener, definitely look up Lyle and Crit Camp. Uh, give them a watch. There's so much uh, content on YouTube. And of course, they're going live all the time uh, over on twitch.tv. So be sure to check them out. It is well worth your time. And uh, you'll probably even see me in uh, those uh, in chat uh, a few times, a few times a month. So if you're enjoying Call of Discovery, make sure you're subscribed to us so you can see us every time. Uh, we drop a new episode and if you're new to keyforge make sure you're visiting that new player guide on archon arcana we've linked it below so that uh maybe even if you have a friend getting into it you're linking them that new player guide because it's such a great place for people to get started on their own journey into this wonderful game uh just a reminder that we do have a patreon if you're looking to support us monetarily the rewards there are things like our exclusive discord where we get uh comments and questions about the show as well as Beyond Discovery, our behind-the-scenes podcast just for our Patreon subscribers. Let us know what you'd see, like to see more or less of in future shows by interacting with us across all of social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or send us an email at podcast at calloffdiscovery.com. But most importantly, dear listener, if you think a friend would enjoy this podcast, please help them to discover it. Have you answered the call of discovery? <laughs> <laughs>